0: please visit our website at concordunited.org. The world
1: has a big anniversary coming up this year. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. On December, I think it's December 3rd, it will mark 30 years of one of the most momentous, stupendous, love it, hate it inventions uh, ever to either inflict or bless our culture, depending on where you're coming from. And it, on uh, on December, th- I think it's the third uh, of this year, we will remember back 30 years prior, in 1992, when the first text message was sent. <laughs> and you know what it said? Merry Christmas. That was the first text message. It's been that long, 30 years, and trillions of texts have been sent uh, in the meantime. And and, you know... You can like it, you can not like it, you can complain about it, or you can just live into it. But it it has really changed the way we communicate with each other. And I have friends actually that don't text, and you may there may be some in here that don't, and and that's your right, and that's okay. Uh, I have a, one friend who says, you know what? If I have something I need to communicate, to somebody, I'm going to pick up the phone and call them. Okay, I get that, and that's and and certainly there are certain conversations that just need to be handled person to person. But text is is this wonderful way to keep us connected when we don't have to keep the phone up to our ear. And, you know, I've been thinking about it, and I have just recently discovered the ultimate purpose for text. And a lot of people have different purposes for their texting. But in our family, I have now discovered the ultimate purpose of texting, and that is Wordle. Got any Wordle fans? Any Wordle players in here? Yes, come on. Come on. You know you are, and you know you love it. If you're not playing Wordle, uh, you're missing an opportunity to exercise your brain every morning. And so every morning, Lynn, my wife, for those who don't know us, uh, and Lauren and Christy, our two daughters, and, and I, the four of us, circle up on text every morning. Now, now, sometimes, depending on our work schedules, we don't all get to start the day with Wordle, but at some point during the day, we will touch bed and Wordle has become sort of this force in our family and, and, and you know we're, we're there for each other and comfort and console each other whenever we go through the six guesses and that's all you get to get the five letter word that's what Wordle is you're trying to figure out this five letter word you get six guesses and if you get through all six and you don't get it we console each other but if somebody gets it in one or, or two, and you have to be, you just have to be lucky to get it in one, and probably to get it in two. But if any of us get it in two or three, there's all kinds of trash talk and posing and flexing that goes on in our family. Christy got one in three the other day, and, and she posted this gif of some actress flipping her hair like that. And and it's, and it's wonderful, and we laugh, and it keeps us connected. Wordle is right now the center of this gravitational pull that texting really is. Texting has a gravitational pull on families if you use it. Because let's face it, we're all, you know, Lynn and I are here. Christy's in Powell, which isn't that far away. Lauren's in Chattanooga with her boys. And, you know, our orbits as we get busier and as life moves on, our orbits can expand. And sometimes we're not passing by each other as often as we'd like to and and texting creates the gravitational pull in our family right now and we're a close family and always have been but sometimes you know life just presses and pushes and expands our orbits and it's hard to get together but we share you know, right now it's Wordle, we always share what we're eating, if we're in a restaurant or we're cooking. It's one of the great things as a dad who cooked with his little girls when they were little, they'll show me dishes that they'll make, that they've made for dinner or, or if they're out for uh, for dinner. Or, of course, the best thing, pictures of grandkids, and I just got on my, I just got a text actually walking in that door, uh, where, uh, Lauren's boys and her husband are in Indiana where he's from he's seeing her mom Lauren also teaches she's an architect she also teaches and she had to grade papers and she had some work she just couldn't go with them to Indiana she's coming to our house later which is great but Brian her husband had had the boys lay on the floor and one of them stretched out like this and the little one Wolfgang down with his with his hands pointed like that and then the other one in a U that said I love you and took a picture of that from above and texted it to Lauren, that for Mother's Day, and she texted it to us. Right, right. See, that's what I mean. Ah, you know, it's this gravitational pull, and and I and we just embrace it. Um, and you know, speaking of Mother's Day and moms, I think in most families. Texting aside, and texting is a is a late addition. I think moms really are the gravitational pull uh, in most families, and and it's not always the case. And as Brooke pointed out so so wisely that you know families are different, moms are different. And we all have different relationships and all, but but we have this idea of in so many cases is mom being the one that that holds these families as orbits are expanding together. And she was, my mom was, in our family. Uh, as, as, you know, Neil and I grew up, we were always pretty close as a family. Dad was often busy, but mom was always pulling us, pulling, the bo- pulling Neil and, and myself together at the family to eat, as a, at the table to, to eat together, and, and even as busy as we were. Then as we grew up, and Neil, uh, we went off, you know, to college, well, well Neil went off to college and, I don't remember where I went off to. <laughs> It'll come to me someday. But but you know, our orbit started expanding, and my mom started this Thursday night dinner in Sevierville thing, which is where they lived. And the, even after we were married, and, and you know, we've Thursday nights. Now she did bait the field a little bit with prime rib by steak, don't get me wrong, but 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 she was always you know, Easter, Christmas, Thanksgiving, whatever. She was always making sure that the family got back together. She was that. That gravitational pull that kept our orbits closer together and quite frankly to to take it a step further to where I want to go today for Christians I believe and for the church it's worship. Worship is the gravitational pull that keeps us together as the family of faith. Now now, there are all sorts of, of activities in church that are, that are important. But nothing is more important than worship because worship is what helps us identify ourselves as followers of Christ, gathers us together, and then sends us out into the world. And there's a passage of Scripture I want to read from Hebrews that gets at that. Hebrews is beautiful. Hebrews, we're not sure who wrote it. Some people attribute it to Paul. Most people these days don't, but it doesn't matter. It was clearly written to, to Jewish Christians who were who were finding themselves scattering and separating for various reasons. And this writer is trying to get everybody focused back on what was important, and that is Christ. And worship, he points out, is the key to all that. So let me read a little bit from Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, now all through Hebrews, uh, he is relating Christ as the high priest. Back in the temple, you know, there was a chief priest, a high priest who was the only one that could go back behind the altar uh, to the Holy of Holies once a year. And, and Hebrews it, you know, it puts Jesus as this new high priest over everyone. Um, by a new and living way opened for us through the current that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I'm fully aware that as I read that last part, uh, it's very easy for people to go, well, Here we go. Here we go with the preacher speak. He's going to guilt us into going to church. I, I can already see what the bottom line of this sermon is all about. And if that's what you're thinking, uh, it's not actually correct. My my job, Brooke's job, Will's job, Mike's job, our job is not to get you to come to worship. It really isn't. Our job is to resource the gathered body of Christ so that it can go out in the world and represent Jesus in our daily living. That's our job. That's what preachers are supposed to do, in my opinion. We are to be a resource and to help the church then go out and be the body of Christ in the world. And I believe that worship is the number one resource for gathering us together um, so that we can then... Be the image of Christ out in the world. And you know, I've got friends, I've got those, me and the Lord's got it all worked out friends, and you may have some, and you may have been there, and I've been there at times in my life where we think, well, you know, I don't have to go to church to worship because I find worship um, when I'm out hiking or if I'm on the lake or if I'm in the backyard or on my deck or on the porch or whatever. And, And certainly, There are wonderful moments of worship for us all in those settings. And I have experienced that too, and I embrace that. But it's not the same thing as coming to church. When we come to church and worship together, we are actually rehearsing. We are rehearsing. What's going to happen in heaven one day? And that's just not my opinion. Let me read a little passage from the book of Revelation. This is where John finds himself exiled on this island right off the coast of Greece. Patmos is the island. And he has this vision of heaven. And let me read, this is from chapter 7 of Revelation. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is this is what heaven is going to be like. We're all going to be gathered together. There's no divisions, there are no barriers, there's no colors, there's no language, there's nothing. But but image, the image of Jesus Christ that bears us all, binds us all together. That's, that's what how we'll gather in heaven to worship. And God put us, the body of Christ, on the earth so that people could get a glimpse of that before Jesus comes back. In fact, let me put it this way. The church is a family ordained in heaven to live out an earthly present and gathered on earth to live out a heavenly future. Everything we do as the church is pointing toward this this heavenly future, this one day whenever God says game over and, and all people become one in, in Christ, those who, have, those who have reached out toward him. And we have this beautiful reconciliation. And we rehearse that. If we we're to be Jesus' representatives in the world, we have to reflect that in the world. But we can't do that on our own. Worship is the gravitational pull that forms us into the body of Christ conforms us into his image and reforms us when life bends us out of shape. That's what's at stake whenever we come to worship it. And if we don't, and if we decide to just do it on our own, and I understand some may be saying, buddy, you're preaching to the choir. We're here. That's true. But there are people who are viewing us now uh, online uh, in various ways that, that are here. You're with us now, but maybe you're not a, a regular churchgoer. And I'm just happy you're with us this morning. I'm happy for the people in this building this morning. And what I want to do is encourage us to come back more and more often because we can't live that calling out short of that. Let me give you a couple of examples. Worship forms us into the body of Christ by celebrating the story of salvation. Um, over in, uh, in verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus and by a new living way open for us through his body and the, the, uh, the curtain that is his body, and since we have this great priest, let us draw near to God. All of that imagery through his body. You know, we're talking about his death on the cross and his resurrection and the way he formed us out of that and when we come to worship and we sing the songs that we sing and we hear the word proclaimed and we experience liturgy and we'll talk more about that in a minute and and the sacraments of the church all of those things are, are celebrations of this salvation story And when we do that, we then become equipped. We are formed by all of those stories. And we bring all of our individual stories. And they are formed into this one great story of salvation that sends us out into the world so that others can get a little glimpse by establishing kingdom activities. Because that's when Jesus came and said, you know, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. His idea of the kingdom, that's just to give us an idea of what life is like in heaven that's what it's like on earth whenever we see these kingdom moments and whenever 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 we open thrift stores or we have crop drops or we go on mission trips or we do things locally anything we do that supports another human being and gives them what they need to live guess what we look like Jesus And that's what our coming together in worship does. It resources, it inspires us to go do that. Whenever whenever we just love on little children and let them see that they are important, we look just like Jesus because that's what he did. Whenever we partner with students and we help them learn and we give them opportunities to serve when they're young, we look just like Jesus because that's what Jesus did. Whenever we stand with older adults or maybe persons like our culture, our uh, counseling center does, persons that may be dealing with mental or emotional issues or other persons with vulnerabilities, when we do that, we look just like Jesus. And that's what we're supposed to do. Worship forms us into the body of Christ. We celebrate that salvation story so that we can go out then as the body of Christ into our communities and further out into the world and look like Jesus so others can get a glimpse of what the kingdom looks like. So worship forms us into the body of Christ but also worship conforms us into his image through teaching and the sacraments. Um, I love uh, the image in, um, I think it's in verse 22. Talks about having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, uh, this image of, of baptism and and let me let me follow that up with this pat, a little verse from Romans, Paul writing to the church in general, but it's to the church in Rome was why we call it Romans and he was saying all things work together for good through those who love Christ and are called according to his purpose and the next verse says this for God foreknew who he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters and it's through this, this, the beautiful sacraments, and I believe it's through Holy Communion, and I believe it's through baptism, that we are conformed, that we are actually changed, and, and, and we start looking more like Christ as individuals. We're justified when we lift our hand at a revival. Whenever these kids go through confirmation, we make that public profession of faith in Christ. We are justified before God. God Jesus does that for us. God looks at us and he sees Jesus and we're okay. All the sin, all of that, all of the mistakes, everything that's happened before has been put in right alignment. That's why it's called justification. It's an old print term that just means it's justified now. We're in alignment with God. But then the sanctification begins. And the sanctification begins, I believe, with the baptism. And it happens in our Holy Communion, and it happens when we are taught in classes or in worship, when the gathered body is together. Michelangelo, who um, of course was a great painter and sculptor um, has a quote that, you, that I've heard several different versions of so I have to believe there there's some authenticity to it uh, and but I love the idea of it and, and, and it and it's this he said that in every block of marble or granite whatever the medium is for sculpting the image is already in there it's in the it's in the heart and mind of the Creator so the image is in this raw block of stone. And the sculptor's job then is to simply chip away everything that isn't part of that image until ultimately the image that the sculptor had in mind is restored from this block of stone. And I, I love that. And and now church is more than just learning what not to do. We also learn what to do. But I think sometimes as we're learning what to do and how to live and how to love and how to love unconditionally and how to offer amazing grace that Jesus offers to us, it begins to chip away at all of those things in us that don't look like Jesus. And we find that in the teaching and we get that. It, It all begins with the sacraments. And every time we take Holy Communion, John Wesley said that there's a, there's a grace there. There's something that happens in that. And it changes us. And we are more and more conformed. And so our worship conforms us to the image of Christ. Worship forms us into his body, conforms us as individuals. And then, and then this final one, worship reforms us when life bends us out of shape and I want us to hear this last little part of the passage this way in a positive way and look I know that you all are here I know that that you're not pro you're not you're not anti-church you are pro-church you're here most of you are here all the time Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. And see, we need each other. We need each other desperately. We can't do this on our own because on your best day, I may be having my worst day. And I come in and you look at me and you say, Larry, man... Your eye you don't look my mother used to say, you don't look right out of your eyes. Come on, man, it's gonna be okay. Let's let's get going. And and you give me a hug, or you give me a handshake, or whatever it is, a smile, and I'm encouraged, or I may get to do that for you, or you may do that for somebody else. And we encourage each other. And and suddenly then whatever it is that is stopping this conforming to the image of Christ, whenever life presses and we get, if you will, bent out of shape. Because life has mashed on us really hard. When we come to church through the encouragement of others and through hearing that teaching again and experiencing those sacraments again, we are reformed then. It's just like a piece of Play-Doh that got squashed. That was It started off as a bunny and it got stepped on. And that happened once with our grandkids. And And you pick it up and Lynn, mom, of course, picked it up and kind of re- reformed the bunny again until it looked like it did before it got stepped on. And And that happens with us. And that happens, it's all part of worship. And I'm thinking worship in a large sense. Anytime the 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 body is gathered together. That's worship. Everything we do, when we submit ourselves to God's will, that's worship. Worship is simply bowing and submitting yourself. And and that's really our worship. So that the body of Christ then begins to look like, begins to look like Jesus in the world. And this reforming, happens constantly in worship as our orbits expand and gets misshapen the gravitational pull of worship pulls us back together with his dying breath Jesus was doing that Jesus was pulling us together it is finished those are the words and he said finished the universe started its new life of being recreated and and it started the opportunity for new life for us as well. You know, my mom and, and all of the wonderful ways that she pulled us together. The most beautiful expression of that was hours before she died, and she was at the nursing home, and they called us and said, "We're sending her to Park West because it's not going to be long." And so we all gathered down there in the ER, and it was, and a doc came in and listened to her heart. Her heart rate was very, very low, and her blood pressure was very, very low. And we knew he said it's. He said it's an hour, two or three, maybe. So, but she was very lucid. She had rallied, as 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 folks do sometimes. And so we were all of us that could get there. Pat, he just the doctor said, "You just stay in this room as long as you want to stay." And so we were there around the bed, and she was holding court, and she was sharing her life with us. And I remember one of the things she said as we all were were sitting there with these looks on our faces. She said. It's okay. It's okay, children. She always called us children. It's okay, children. I've just got to go now, and that's all there is to it. And that was what she used to say when she was done with something, and she had spoken the last word. I heard that since I was five years old. You know, all right, you're going to do this, and that's all there is to it. Oh, man, I heard that a lot. And she said it one last time. Children, I've got to go now, and that's all there is to it. And then she paused, and she looked over in the corner of the ER little room, And and she just froze. And she said, oh, look. She called her husband, my dad, Daddy. Oh, look. There's Daddy. He's sitting by himself. And I, and I started thinking about this vision. She's seeing something we're not seeing. And she was pulling us together. She pulled us together one last time with that powerful gravitational pull to teach us and show us that there was a hope. She was, she was, I don't know if she knew exactly what she was doing or not, but she was giving us this hope of seeing her again and seeing my dad again. And that somehow in the sadness of seeing her at 95 years say goodbye, it was just temporary. It was just kind of, I'll, I'll see you later. That gravitational pull to the family was still there. She was still reforming us with her dying breath, which is what Jesus did. And that's why we come to celebrate. Don't forget that, that the church is a family. The church is a family ordained in heaven to live out an earthly present, gathered on earth to live out a heavenly future so that others can see this is what it's going to look like one day. And that's our inspiration and that's our hope. And worship is the gravitational pull. It's the gravitational pull that forms us into the body of Christ, conforms us to his image, and then reforms us when we get bent out of shape. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Almighty God. Thank you for giving us this vision, this incredible vision of who Jesus really is and, and what his life means to us and what our life together means to you and to your body and to Jesus' work continuing on this planet. Help us, oh God, to be inspired by the one who is at the center of our universe and help us to participate in the gravitational pull of worship and allow it to change us as you would have it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes,